The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of Schmitty Balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Hello, welcome to our podcast. Welcome again, everybody. Hope you've had a great week. I've had a great week. You want to know why? Yes. I would like to share something since everybody, you probably think I'm crazy, but I've shared the news with you and I want to kind of give you the end result, hopefully knock on wood for a while. But um, I talked about earlier in the podcast, my dog Kashmir had cancer and we've been doing cancer treatments. Yesterday, she had her last cancer treatment, her fifth cancer treatment, and they did an ultrasound. And I'm so happy because the universe has told us that she is cancer-free. They saw nothing. She had a clean scan, so they consider her in remission. And so um, I was just, you should have seen me. It was like, you know, somebody told me I'd won the lottery. So um, I just wanted to start with good news. I'm very happy. I'm so pleased for you. So every six months, I guess, or so, we'll have a scan. And if she's cancer-free, which I hope she is, so... You know what? Sometimes we get the worst news, but sometimes you can do great things with it. So and I know we've talked about dogs with cancer, and sometime on the podcast in the future, I'd like to delve more into that. But if you have a dog who's going through it, just look at Cashmere and think, see, maybe they'll kick it. Yeah, well, fantastic. That's such good news. Cancer girl, I call her now because I'm going to get her a cape and I'm going to bedazzle a big C because she kicks cancer's yeah, ass. Yeah, she did. Cancer's <laughs> just, just so horrible and so horrendous so and destroys thank life. Thank you for so. supporting me and thank oh, you for letting okay. me share all You're that. welcome. I'm yeah. so glad. That's such good news. Yeah. I love good news. Yeah, so what's going on with you? What's all happening? right. Well, Dog Bite Prevention Week USA Yep. this week. Yep. And last week, we kicked it off by going to the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were there with um, the American Veterinary Medical Association and State Farm. Um, we were there with the U.S. Postal Service, uh, Prevent the Bite, um, Ellie the Pitbull, who is mm, our beautiful, who is a beautiful dog, pictures, who is yeah. our sort of bite prevention um, dog uh, personality, mm-hmm. and um, she is the 2013 American Hero Association mm-hmm. Hero Dog as mm-hmm. well. So um, we were all there to start a press conference about a dog bite prevention week. And in fact, the American Veterinary Medical Association started dog bite prevention week well over 20 years ago now. Oh, really? And they did it as a way to, you know, to, to raise awareness and, Mm -hmm. and provide education for people, um, parents, as well as, um, um, as as well as children Mm -hmm. and everybody really to be, to learn how to not just humanely handle dogs, but also to be safe around them. Yeah. Know the warning signs. Exactly. And so, so now we've joined with State Farm mm-hmm. um, and we have joined together because State Farm is insurance company, uh, obviously largest home insurance company mm-hmm. um, in this country, but they're also very dog friendly. And, you know, they're mm-hmm. the only insurance company or one of the only insurance companies that um, don't discriminate. doesn't matter what breed you have. They won't ask. 
I love that. Isn't that great? They're my insurance company. Right. Well, hey, <laughs> well, there you go. And you got a bully breed. So, you yeah. know, they, they don't ask about that, which is what I love. Um, and so we were there and, and this is now a sort of passion project. It really is. Mm-hmm. And what, what we're hoping is that this, yeah, we raise awareness this week, but actually dog bite prevention week just uh, is every week. Yeah. It's going to continue on and on and on throughout the year and throughout the years where we're going to continually give information out to the people that need it. So it's like dog bite prevention awareness week it and is. then we carry it on yes um, it is well you know what? why don't we delve into it why don't we get someone on the phone uh, we're going to talk to heather pool and she's with state she's farm, with state and, farm and she she is so she's such an integral part i mean she's amazing she's a mm-hmm. big dog lover but she's such an integral part of this national dog bite prevention week as she is with the austin dog program so let's get her on the phone right now great the Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. Answer the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! Hey, Heather, good to have you on. Hi, Victoria. It's great to be here again. We have had a great week. I saw Heather last week as we did the kickoff for Dog Bite, National Dog Bite Prevention Week. We were at the um, in Washington, D.C. at the National Press Club doing a press conference about it. And uh, now here we are in the week. And um, Heather, can you tell me a little bit about what's, why State Farm has, is supporting this week and why it's so important? Absolutely. You know, we talk about State Farm kind of being there for to help you recover from the unexpected and protect your family. And, you know, pets are part of our family. They, they're cherished members that deserve to be protected and recognized for that status. So, you know, we uh, have made it our policy not to ask what breed of dog is owned when we write insurance, whether it's for homeowners or renters. And, but, you know, rather we want to keep people safe, so we really wanted to focus on education, on understanding body language uh, for, for children and adults, and, and also uh, recognizing that uh, owner responsibility is key to reducing dog bite claims rather than focusing on the breed of dog owned. So National Dog Bite Week has really been an opportunity for us to, to partner together, get, get connected with other thought leaders in this area from the AVMA, from yourself, from the Coastal Service, um, and, and talk about what, what we can do together, combine our resources, and really try to spread, you know, spread this message that we need to stop focusing on the breed of dog owned and rather what is the responsibility as human beings that we have when it comes to reducing dog bites. Now, that's relatively unusual, isn't it, for an insurance company to not um, discriminate mm-hmm. against breeds of dog. I mean, most insurance companies will. If you've got a pit bull or a guarding breed like a Rottweiler, then they won't touch you with a barge pole. Or they'll charge you a fortune yeah. if you do want to join them. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it is um, it is unusual. And, and being the number one home insurer uh, in the country, I think that that says something huge when we are able to take a stand and say, um, as a company, not just for our policyholders, but for our employees as well. Our employees own pets too. And, um, you know, as, as you know, it's difficult 
for anybody to be able to look at a dog and say, oh, that's a pit bull or that's a pit bull mix. We would hate to turn away someone because they don't know what type of dog they have. We don't know what type of dog they have. And really, at the end of the day, um, what is the most important thing? The most important thing is taking responsibility as human beings for our actions. Because no dog wakes up in the morning, regardless of what breed it is, no dog wakes up in the morning mm-hmm. and says, oh, I wonder who I'm going to bite today. Right, right. That's, you know, and we're, we, you know, it's interesting. I was, I was talking to my son about this, who's 14, and, and um, I, I actually include him in, in the State Farm press release uh, because Hunter was bitten by a dog, and it was luckily it, it didn't break the skin, but it was on his face, and he went in to hunt a dog. But we talked all the time as parents about not setting our children up to fail. Mm-hmm. And if we don't take responsibility as owners and educating kids about how to properly approach dogs, we're setting our dogs up to fail. So, you know, we, we, sometimes people call themselves pet parents and, and, you know, so think of it that way. Think of it if you think of yourself as a pet parent, think, why would you want to set your own dog up to fail by not being responsible? Right. And, and I mean, that's, that's the whole purpose of this week, isn't it? To raise awareness through media and social media as well to, so, so that people, parents will be able to, teach their kids so that educators will be able to give out the right kind of information but you know what was really interesting to me is that State Farm came out with the top 15 states for dog related injury claims in 2014 um, and ranking the number one state for injury claims um, from a dog related injury was California Um, and then I think it goes Illinois New York New Jersey then number five is Ohio Hmm. Then it goes Michigan, Florida, Pennsylvania, ninth. Georgia is the ninth. Um, and then Minnesota, Washington, Maryland, Indiana, Louisiana, and Texas is number 15. Why did you come out with this, and why is it important for people to know this? Well, you know, State Farm has, we feel that it is important to, for people to understand uh, the number of claims that are coming in uh, for dog-related injuries. So these aren't all just bites. Um, when you report an incident to an insurance company, uh, it may be a bite incident or it may be an injury incident, and those are all lumped in together. So if your child is riding their bike and your uh, dog runs out of the yard, scares your child, and your child falls and breaks their arm, that's a dog-related injury, and it's classified as a dog bite claim. Um, so many of these dog bites are uh, dog Bite claims are actually or can be also included with dog-related injuries um, because it is. it can be as, as simple as um, a dog jumping up. It doesn't have to be an aggressive dog. It can be a dog that jumps up and is excited to see grandma, and grandma falls down the stairs and, and you know, breaks a hip or gets scratched severely or, and has to go to the emergency room. That is considered a, a dog bite claim. But we also want people to know the volume of dollars that are going out for these claims because as insur- insurance is all pulled together. So if, if there's an increase in the amount paid for dog bite claims, that could affect uh, everyone's premiums. Um, they may increase to pay for those claims. And it, so it becomes, a again, a community responsibility to reduce 
and educate people on these claims. So why is it lumped together like that? Why is it not, you know, why aren't dog bites dog bites and then other injuries? Why do they put them together? You know, a lot of times that just comes down to how uh, how claims are coded um, when they come in. And it's, you know, we have to do, we have to take a look and say, Okay, if, if you if you got bit, say, say for example in an incident, you got bit and you got injured at the same time, you know which one do you classify it or do you break them out? But so like for so say um you know uh, I'm you know my my five year old is riding the bicycle and the dog runs in front of the bicycle. It's a you know border collie, not a dangerous dog or whatever, and the and the child hits the dog and falls off the bike and breaks their arm. Is that considered a dog bite or is that just considered an injury because the dog was involved? Does it go into the dog bite? It is con- it's considered an injury, but it's class it's coded by um, by claims as a dog bite injury. So, does- so it is, they kind of combine it as a dog bite injury. So that's why this year we really, um, we, we decided to, refer to these both as dog bites and dog-related injuries. Gotcha. So it's the same thing you see in the UK as well, mm-hmm. um, is that we, you know, we've got certain figures out there that say a certain number of um, dog bite cases um, were reported. Well, actually, they're dog bite and dog injury-related cases as well. So, But it's all lumped under right. the same thing. So if you got that for the CDC, did um, uh-huh. came out with some figures a while ago regarding the number of um, dog bites. And the, and, and the, the recorded, um, I suppose, the most quoted figure is 4.5 million dog bites. I think it was between 2012 to 2013. There were 4.5 million dog bites in mm-hmm. this country. 800,000 people needed to go to hospital for medical attention. Um, but people question that because they say, well, is that just dog bites or are those just dog-related injuries as mm-hmm. well? So mm-hmm. is that figure more? Is it less? Um, and, and so that that's why I think it's really important to classify this as, yeah, dog bites and other dog-related right. injuries as well in all kinds of um, statistics that we get. Because I would imagine that, I mean, you think about sort of the... Um the you know when you hear dog bite the, the, it brings up so much negativity and i think it's also a disservice to our dogs because people think oh dogs are dangerous we'd love to get a dog but you know we've got young children and there's so many dog bites i don't want to take the chance you know and it could be just a, a, a an innocent injury you might you know even someone like me i'm not i'm very klutzy if i'm running with my dog and i trip and i go down had nothing to do it with it but the dog was with me that might be claimed as a dog bite which i think does a disservice to our to our furry friends, you know, in, in some ways. Absolutely, absolutely. So when you have, uh, when you put in a dog uh, with State Farm, when you put in a claim uh, for a dog bite or dog-related injury, and you, the first thing, rather, you know, some people think, okay, this is instantly going to count against me. I could be, I have my insurance canceled because my dog has bit someone and now it's on my homeowner's policy. Um, we're going to ask you the particulars of that incident to find out if it was in fact a bite or if it was an, an injury where it was, uh, an, an accident. So we do take into account, we'll do, we'll do follow up to learn more about that situation. Um, rather than just assume because it's coded as a dog bite, that that must be that your dog is now aggressive. Um, and, right. and I know this from I know this because this is this happened actually to me uh, several years ago. I have two dogs. I have a German Shepherd mix named McKenna, 
and uh, a black pug named Yoshi. And uh, McKenna was, we had, we live in a neighborhood here in central Illinois. Everybody knows everybody else. We were uh, mowing along that day, closed the back gate, but the back gate, we realize now, wasn't completely latched. So when a neighbor walked her small uh, Maltese by our yard, and it was on a flexi leash, uh, when it walked by, the dog walked, her dog walked up into our yard. McKenna jumped up onto the fence like she always does to see who's walking by. The fence came open. She ran out. It wasn't aggressive, but it scared our neighbor so much that she grabbed her dog, backed up, fell off of the um, fell off of the curb, and broke her ankle. Mm. So that was classified as a dog bite, even though my dog didn't ever touch her or her dog. Thankfully, though, because I got State Farm insurance, I called them, explained it to them, and it wasn't anything they counted against me. Mm-hmm. because even though it's coded as a, as a dog bite claim, it was actually a dog-related injury, and it was an unfortunate accident that happened so many times. So it is, it is important to take into consideration when you see dog bite claim numbers that they are dog bite and dog-related injuries, because we all know that the vast majority of incidents uh, and interactions with dogs do not result in an injury that requires any kind of hospitalization or do not result in a, in a bite. Mm-hmm. Um, it's those few that we can try to reduce that are, are what we really want to focus on. And I think that's, that's the whole focus of this National Dog Bite Prevention Week, isn't it? Is by, is by yeah. just A, being transparent, B, saying this is the reality, and um, C, raising awareness and spreading education out there so that kids are empowered. And what, what was great about the press conference is that we had some children um, from the area, from some relatively underserved areas, come and you know take part in that press conference mm-hmm. and learn a little bit about how to be around a dog and um and it's great you know you empower these kids to learn you teach them that you know my i have a t-shirt that says kindness is powerful yeah that we teach them that being kind to animals is important and um, it also translates to being kind to your fellow human beings also reduces fear because you're empowering them really and does. you give them the education i mean education is power we e- know that exactly. knowledge is power and exactly. so they feel like when they see a dog i don't have to be afraid and that does so much for a kid's confidence when they don't have much else yeah. or any other resources yes and that's why that's what i would love and uh, we're probably gonna have to end it here but i could go on for this for hours <laughs> but that's what i would love to have it as part of a curriculum and every single elementary school if it's just an hour mm-hmm. just an hour of understanding dogs and dog bite prevention wouldn't that be great because then that really you know children uh, about 50 percent of children by the time they're 18 would have been bitten by a dog um, and the, mm-hmm. the kids that are most likely to be bitten are between the ages of five and nine mm-hmm. boys are twice as likely to be bitten as girls they're in the dog's face you know they're the same running level around as the dog. they're hugging they're running around they're crazy sometimes they tease so so that's why they're 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 targets and um, that's why a week like this is important to give out that education. And if we had it all in schools too, then kids would know so much more. And I really believe that we would reduce mm-hmm. the number of dog bites in this country. And also, we also gave the message out, and I think this is important, and Heather and I are on the same page. We all are, is that 
we don't want dog bite prevention um, week to be a negative thing. We want it to be a positive thing. We don't want to scare people. Most dogs don't want to bite. In fact, they don't. They, they'd rather avoid violence wherever possible. Um, violent, being violent to another individual does not do very good things for you. I mean, it compromises right. your ability to potentially survive if you get injured as well. So if you think about it from animal terms, and that's why, um, that's why I love being part of this coalition and I love working with State Farm because really there's, uh, you know, it's, it's a great partnership where we're are hopefully affecting change. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Heather. It was great information. Good to know. We appreciate it. Absolutely. And I urge everyone that, you know, while Dog Bite Prevention Week is a great kickoff, we need to continue this discussion year round. Mm-hmm. Uh, dogs don't pick a certain week to, to right. bite. So, you know, we need to really continue to focus and have this dialogue and discussion all the time. Um, you know, because as we learn from Teletubbies, it's all about repetition. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> Good advice. So we can be talking about this and reinforcing then that, you know, that is the key, key to reducing it and, and helping to save dogs from being relinquished yep. because of, uh, because of Something owner preventable, ignorance. yeah. And now on a very serious note, we'll end this conversation. I have to say, some whoever came up with Teletubbies <laughs> or ever devised it or wrote it was definitely on something. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, definitely on something. I, I, I was subjected to that as my daughter was growing up, subjected to that show time and time again, and I seriously couldn't stop watching it. It was addictive. It was very strange. Uh, thanks for that, Heather. It was awesome to talk to you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All righty. Bye. Bye. Hey, you got something on your mind? Are you a wizarding genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they... They physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what What the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't dog. know my dog. Just ask Victoria. Ask Victoria is brought to you by our friends at Adaptil. Dogs get anxious and stressed just like humans, and just like humans, they don't always express it in the best way. Many pet owners might not realize these unwanted behaviors, such as excessive barking, soiling in the house, hiding and destroying household items, are caused by stress. All kinds of things can create stress for your puppy or dog, including loud noises, new people and surroundings, traveling and being left alone. Adaptil is clinically proven to help reduce or eliminate stress-related behaviors by mimicking the natural pheromones pets use to communicate. It has a calming effect on your dog, which makes your home a happier and quieter place for everyone. Adaptil is available in a collar, diffuser, spray, and wipes to help you keep your pet, your dog calm in just about any situation. Best behavior starts with Adaptil. To find out more on how Adaptil can help your dog's behavior, check them out at adaptilus.com. All right, here is our first question. This is from John in France. We France. haven't had many French ones I before. It. I, lo- I want to speak French. Do you speak French? I, I learned French at school. I wasn't very good at it. Do you it. remember it? A little bit. Oh. I'm going to learn. I took a book on, I did a book on tape before I went to Paris, and I learned key phrases, and apparently I sound pretty good. They would answer in French, and then I'm, I'm out. 
I would be lost. Okay. So John says, hello, Victoria. I have a problem with a dog who we adopted when she was about five years old. She's a collie cross, probably with the Pyrenees mountain dog. She's well-behaved, except that she has a chase and barking instinct with cars. In the garden, she barks and gets very agitated when cars go past. And if she gets out into the road, she'll chase them. Sounds familiar, my dog Barnsley. We live in the French countryside. Oh, how nice. Can we come visit? And on one occasion, she chased a car for about eight kilometers. How many miles is that? Wow, that's about five miles. Holy smokes. Good grief. This is obviously very dangerous as well as being a nuisance to neighbors, so I should be most grateful for any ideas you could give us. Thanks very much. So that's John in France. She's outside. Did she get out of the yard? Yeah, apparently she did. She got out of the garden. Wow. Okay. All right, so she needs to be given something else to do. <laughs> you yes. know, this this is it, when a lot of collies, a lot of collie mixes have, you know, the big chase drive. That's what they do. They're herders. And and that's why if a dog is exhibiting this kind of behavior, which is seems to be a, an instinctive behavior, it's what it's what uh, it's what a lot of it's what a lot of them do. It's what a lot of them love to do. Mm-hmm. Um You've got to give them the chance to do it, but in a more controlled environment. So, uh, and I'm all for it. You see, I don't want to go against instinct. Mm-hmm. I don't want to to tell the dog, no, you can never do that. I want to say, you, yeah, we can do that, but it has to be the right circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so, um, with border collies, for example, or any dog that loves to herd, um, what I'll do is I'll either send them to herding school. So they'll actually learn to herd sheep or we, I will send them to a place that does a sport called tribal and tribal is a sport. If you think about these big yoga balls, Mm -hmm. all right. And you have a, uh, you have like goalposts on one side and uh, then soccer goalposts Mm -hmm. on one end of the the field and uh, on both ends of the field. And then you have a number of these balls and then you just unleash the border collies. And basically they herd these balls into whatever. Really? Yeah. And so it's a fun sport. It's a fun game and it allows these dogs to herd to get rid of all of that desire to herd Uh out on something more appropriate. So for him, you can do the best kind of recall training in the world. You mm-hmm. can do, you know, you can have your, when you're there, mm-hmm. but if you're not there and your dog somehow gets out in the, in the yard and I would caution him very much that if he does have his dog loose in the garden, that he is there with that dog. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't get out any other time. If he's <clears throat> not there, that the dog is in the house. So it, she can't do this again because it's eight kilometers. That's a long way. Oh it's very God. dangerous. I, why didn't the car stop? Do you think the car realized? Well, maybe the car didn't realize that maybe it was it being chased. Seriously? Or maybe it was afraid. If a dog's chasing your car, are you gonna? You think, I can outrun uh, no, this. No, no, no. I, I might think I'm gonna, I can outrun it. But then if the dog is still behind me a mile later, I might just stop. And be like, hey, if you, especially if you see somebody chasing the dog. But Right. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, this. Uh, so she's got a high chase, chase, chase drive. So that's why you have to use management. The mm-hmm. management is keeping that dog in the house when you're not there to supervise when the dog is out in the garden and then giving that dog some some way to channel all of that lovely chase instinct onto something more positive and i'm sure if he's in the countryside in france (laughs) i'm sure there's going to be some place where he could take his dog to 
chase things that are more appropriate. Now, if you don't have sheep in your area and if you don't have tribal in your area, well, then do it in the yard. Mm -hmm. Do it in your yard or garden or wherever or in in a space that is confined space, outdoor space. And get some of these yoga balls and let the dogs chase them. And if there's another do- a couple of other doggy friends, let them all do it. So good. So mm-hmm. fun. And I really find that when you do channel these dogs' instincts into something that they really love doing and they get so much praise and support from you, that it actually stops them from chasing at other times. That maybe not. Is, the mo- is maybe not the most appropriate thing to do. That so. makes sense. Um, Barnsley, my black and tan coonhound, had the same thing. He started, he chased, dog, he chased cars, he would bark at them, and he would go after them, and, you know, we had a lot of issue. But one of the things, it's interesting that you say that, because now this makes sense. So we would go to the dog park, and Kashmir would want to run everywhere and, you know, play with the dogs. And Barnsley, all he wanted to do was chase the ball, mm-hmm. you know, throw the ball, throw the ball. We called him Rain Man, throw the ball, throw the ball. And so we got one of these chuckets, and he would just sit there and throw the ball. So we do that in the backyard, and he prefers that over other things. So maybe that's it because it's the same thing. It's it's that chase like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And he brings it back and do it again, do it again. That's his thing. Barnsley's not a sociable dog. Mm-hmm. He does, being in a dog park is not, take it or leave right. it. But chasing the ball, that's that's what he loves doing. And it got that chase thing out because he was right. chasing cars. So now he can chase the ball. Right, exactly. And of course, if your dog is on the leash and it's lunging at a car, then you still find something for your dog to chase in mm-hmm. another environment. And that behavior, you have to get the dog before or it has that desire to lunge. Mm-hmm. And so that sometimes might mean, well, hey, bringing the ball out. Mm-hmm. Look what I you have. Know, here, there's if, 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 say, for example, your dog chases bicycles and you see a bicycle coming, get the ball out, get ready, play mm-hmm. a little bit of the game with him as the bike goes past. You know, get his attention onto something else. That's what I found to be really effective. Yeah, it worked for me. Good you luck. told me to do that, and yeah. And then if you really need help, then... We'll come to the French countryside and help you. That's yeah, we'll what we come. can do. We'll be there. <laughs> okay, the next question is from Emma. Okay, so Cheltenham? Cheltenham. 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 UK. There's a ham in there, though. I know, but we, 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 we don't. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Mm. Uh, we have an eight-week-old beagle puppy, Molly. I have been watching lots of your videos. I'm watching your sit video with Dylan many times. We managed to do it with Molly on day one of having her. And by day three, if she's in the right mood, she'll do sit and down. What I'm really asking is, do you have a simple list of what order you teach all these commands in? I understand you need to mix them, but I don't want to miss anything that I should really teach early on. I have your book as well, which I love, and slowly working my way through. Which book is that that she's talking about? Train Your Dog Positively, or It's Me or the Dog, How to Have the Perfect Pet. Okay. Um, Okay. So... Yes, I love, in fact, the Dylan video that uh, you can see on YouTube um, has around is over a million views. And wow. I think it's just cause that's how cute the puppy is. But <laughs> I also think it's, it's the first thing everybody wants to teach their dog is teaching right. their dogs to sit. But I always caution people, why are we teaching dogs to sit? Why? Right. Right. Why would you teach your dogs to sit, for example? I would teach my dog to sit if they're in the kitchen, say I'm making dinner or something, and they're kind of getting underfoot, and I'd be like, just sit, sit still, so I can get, or if I'm getting their food together, sit and wait. Okay, great. Um, I train Sadie to sit because when I'm coming up to uh, the curb and I want to cross a road, I find it really easier just to say sit, and she sits, mm-hmm. and that's her sort of, she'll sit there and wait until it's ready. We're, we're ready to cross the road because what I don't like is that people are just teaching their dogs to sit because it's what you do when you get a dog, mm-hmm. you teach it to sit. 
And then what happens is this poor dog is sitting and sitting and sitting and sitting and sitting and sitting, sit, sit, sit. And this poor dog is having to put its rump on the ground hundreds of times a day. Sometimes dogs don't want to sit if the if it's too hot, if it's too cold, mm-hmm. if it feels weird underneath, or if they're a little worried, they don't want to sit. So if you're going to teach this cue, make sure that you use it sparingly, you know why you're using it, and you don't keep repeating it. Mm-hmm. It's all about taking pressure off your dog. You mm-hmm. don't keep repeating it. All right. So there's no rules mm-hmm. about when and what to teach your dog. Mm-hmm. So all of these cues, yeah, you can teach touch, you can teach sit, down, come to me, leave it. You, know, you teach all of these cues. You can teach. I mean, I think it's one of the most intelligent dogs knows 2,000 um, words, the mm-hmm. meaning of 2,000 words. Um, but that's to, uh, for different toys and stuff. But, you know, dogs can learn so many cues. Mm-hmm. I always find less is more. Mm-hmm. Just a, a, a few that you can use in daily life. And that's it. So what are the few that you would recommend? Like for I know, for instance, for me, what was very important was leave it because I had a dog that was sort of interested in the cat who wanted nothing okay. to do with her. Mm-hmm. And was chewing. So what are the ones that you would say are going to help that dog the most? Again, again, what is right for you and your dog? Mm-hmm. Okay. What is your dog comfortable with as well? Because I want my dogs to be comfortable, understand. So remember, so, so yeah, I like, I think the most important thing you teach your dog before anything is that you're the best thing since life's bread. So you're the most awesome thing. So whenever that dog comes to you, you know, I haven't called your dog to come to you necessarily, mm-hmm. but even if the dog just comes to it of its own volition, praise and mm-hmm. love and hugs and do, you know, make that dog feel the best thing in the world. So then whenever you call its name, it's going to come to you because it remembers how wonderful it feels when it comes to you of its own volition. It's going to come to you. So the recall cue, I think, is the, mm-hmm. the most important thing. But don't teach it like, come, come, come. Right. And make it repetitive and boring. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um so I like to just say, hey, Sadie, come. She'll come to me. Um, that's a cue that I use. <laughs> I laugh only because my dogs come and I go, it's time to eat. Okay. So sometimes when they won't come in, I'll go, it's time <gasps> to eat, even though it's night. Oh, and I'm like, you faker. Oh, no, it's terrible. terrible. Sometimes I'll, or I'll go, Psycho. who wants a treat? And then I'll give them a little okay. dog Okay, that's all right. At least you, okay. But only I use that when I'm desperate and they won't come in. Time okay. to eat. That's fine. Um, <laughs> and... Um, Yes, I do like to teach my dogs to sit, but I also like to teach my dogs, um, I like to cue my dogs to settle, mm-hmm. settle. And um, I love that settle. I learned it actually from Jennifer Arnold. Mm. She's going to be um, a guest um, soon. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I really love that cue because it's um, just teach the dog just to go. Ah. Right, relax. Settle. So that's yeah. what I use. So I use sit, settle, come. I do. I have used leave it. Mm-hmm. I don't really need to teach my dogs to. My, right. my dogs aren't like that. So, um, and ooh, wait, maybe mm-hmm. that's it. Wait's a good one. It is because yeah. again, I, I might use it, and I like them to stand and wait sometimes, not to mm-hmm. have to keep sitting all the time. Right. So again, when we come to it's that roadside, yep. it's just a wait. Um, and that's just me cueing her, saying, "Hey, wait. We've just got to let these cars go past so that we can we can cross." And that's it. There, is I, that bad? Because no, I think people probably fine. think that I'm going to teach them to, I don't know, turn on the love lights and do yeah. stuff. No. Because Flush I, the toilet. I no, talk I to my dogs. Yeah. I talk to my dogs all the time. Well, your dogs, 
inherently know what you want from them because you communicate with them, you interact with them, you engage them. So you don't have to command them to do something. They're already there for you. And I think that's the difference. That's that's all about relationship building. I think um, just very quickly, it's a funny story. Somebody told me that a neighbor of mine just got a new puppy and they said, oh my God, it's great. She pees on command. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, apparently they would go, go pee pee. And when she hear pee pee, she would squat and go. And it took a little bit of time, but I said to her, you ought to be careful with that because the dog's going to hold it until you say it sometimes. But also other times she's going to fake you out where you go, go pee pee. That just means she's going to squat. She's not necessarily peeing. And then she found that. Yeah, the dog wasn't doing it. She's like, she's peeing in the house. And I'm like, because <laughs> it's a cute trick, but that's more for David Letterman. Okay. Uh, let's do another question here. This is from Samantha in Georgia. And she says, I just got a new Pomeranian male puppy. He's almost 12 weeks old. We've had him a week and a half and to notice some behavioral problems that he didn't have before we brought him home. If he gets into places or gets hold of things we don't want him to have, he growls and lunges at us when we tell him no. I know part of the problem is we need to get him fixed and we're going to. But is there anything else we can do to help him from getting worse as an adult? Interesting. Mm -hmm. Don't think that just by fixing your dog that that issue is going to go away. I have one of those dogs. Just don't, don't, don't rely on that. Okay. This looks like it's a guarding mm. issue. It's a resource guarding issue. I have that too. And you know, we call behaviors we don't like behavior problems, but they're just behaviors. They, they're not good for us. They're mm-hmm. not good in our society, but they're very important for the dog. Mm-hmm. Why is that dog guarding stuff? Why is it very young puppy still? So I, I'm concerned about that. But, but why does it feel the need to? See, when you say no, you become confrontational. That's going to mm-hmm. cause your dog to guard even more. It's where you've got to teach your dog that actually there's no reason to guard. Because mm-hmm. I'm not bothered. Mm-hmm. I don't care. You know, and actually trading is fun. So I start with something that the pup's you know, <clears throat> into, but not huge value. Right. And I give, let's say it's a toy. And I give the toy to the pup. Pup plays with it a little bit. And then I produce the same toy, but it's another toy. Mm-hmm. It's the same type of toy, but um, there's a, 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 another one. It's new. It's new. And I start playing with it. And when puppy sees that I'm playing with something new, it drops the toy it has in its mouth. And as it drops it, I say, drop it. And then I give them the new toy. Take it. So... And, and I maybe have three <clears throat> or four toys like that, and I keep on doing this game of trade. Mm-hmm. Then we just play with the toys that we have, and we have this really fun game. If you drop this, you're going to get this. See, what happens is when dogs steal things, um, <laughs> if, it's st- if it steals food and the food's not going to hurt it, let it have it. Mm-hmm. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. <laughs> Got it, okay? Um, if it has something that you're worried about, you don't want it to eat, then obviously that's the, that's, that's the time that you really have to to, to try and get it from them, which is why you need to build up a great trading foundation right now. And here's the mistake people make. The dog gets something, runs off with it, person runs after dog, becomes confrontation, says, no, drop it, or no, give to me, or goes towards the dog, tries to open the jaws, and the dog's starting to freak out, and they start to growl. And... So what happens if you do this? By all means, the dog has something in its mouth you don't want it to have. Then you're going to have to, and it goes into another room. You're going to have to follow it, but don't run after it. Don't go in and suddenly say no or stop or whatever. Go in with something amazing and just start to concentrate and play with that something amazing that your dog loves. Mm-hmm. 
take all of that angst or that challenge away from the dog. And then the dog might go, oh, what what do you got? It's better than what I have. Then they might drop what they have in their mouth and then they get what you have. And then you can pick up what they dropped. Mm -hmm. If you build a good foundation, that should work. But um, I think in any type of situation where a dog is showing a reactive or aggressive behavior, mm-hmm. that's the time to call in a trainer. That is time to call in a trainer. And if you go to positive.com forward slash trainers, hopefully there mm-hmm. will be a trainer in your area. Who um, can deal with that? Who can deal with that? Well, you helped us with that. You helped us with the um, resource guarding thing with Barnsley. He was eating the food and, and he would you know growl over it. One of the things that you told me that I found wildly successful is what I now do is I feed him in an enclosed room where he feels safe and he'll still resource guard. There's nobody around. He can't see anybody. He doesn't whatever. And I just let him do it because he does it for a minute. And then it, it, and it doesn't, if somebody's there, if I'm there trying to talk him off the ledge or whatever, it just gets, he yeah. doesn't, even though I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. You know, it, it, it's Too best much. just to ignore it. And so let him do it. Yeah. And he, then I find he'll growl, growl. Nope. Nobody's coming. Growl, growl. Right. No one's coming. Growl. All right, I can eat. And it's just his own way of being, you know, saying, okay, it's okay, I'm safe. You know, if you think now about it. Now it's a like, ritual of behavior with him. Dogs oh, are very ritualistic. Great. So now it's his ritual of behavior. <laughs> it's his habit. Yeah. That's what he does before he eats now. Mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah. As long as he's not hurting anybody and the other dog knows the cues and doesn't. And now, you know, outside his door, she'll go entirely around into another room to go outside after she's done eating so she doesn't pass his door. So she's getting really good at not antagonizing. But that's it. It's just don't make a big deal about it. Because the more I would be like, okay, it's okay, stop, whatever, then it would just escalate. Yeah, it's great. Respecting space as well. So, so. She's practicing avoidance as well. She's saying, hey, I'm no threat to you. Okay? Right, right. Um, so, but I would, I would definitely find a trainer and a good positive trainer because take away that confrontation. Mm-hmm. You take away the challenge. Your dog is more likely to give stuff up to you. And for a puppy that is showing this behavior at this young age, vital that you do it. But remember, neutering might not solve the problem. In fact, most of the times it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It could get worse. After neutering. Yeah, because so, that um, happened to Barnsley. He got worse after it. Yes. So. so you must you must get a trainer in to help you. All right. I feel better. Thank you. A great Ask Victoria. Another great podcast. And uh, again, want to thank um, Heather from State Farm. She was great. Great information on dog bite prevention. And I guess, do you say happy dog bite prevention week? I think we can say happy dog bite prevention week. Yeah. Because it's, it's a good thing. It is. It's a good positive thing. I love it. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Positively.